The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That does Whoa. it. Peacock Sunday night football final. Chris, we got to stop now. Chris didn't swear. I think if we went for another five minutes, he made that. Show me that Brady highlight again, I'll swear. I'll give Peacock something to show tomorrow. (laughs) That's right. I don't know why, but when I get on the Peacock postgame show, I don't say swears. I don't know why. I don't know why I could probably get away with it. I don't know. I'm afraid the bosses are probably still watching, and that's maybe an important show. Yeah, they're a little dialed in right there. And then they might take it away from everything. They go, you can't do it on the Peacock show. You can't do it on Button. Nowhere. I know. Right. I got to worry about that because I need my swearing. All right. It's part (laughs) of my life. It's part of who I am. Yeah. But hello, everybody. It's Chris Sims. Chris Sims on Button. Ahmed Farid is here. We are here. We're two guys that are tired, that were up late, but we're just grinding, grinding through the football season. Week five in the books. We grind on a Monday. We do grind. I uh, mean, we're not doing anything that physical. No. But I do feel like I, I feel a little bit more tired this morning. You look tired today. Right? What yeah. happened? I don't like, know. Why? What, well, like, you went to bed at two something in the morning. And then, you know, it, it, it does take energy to be on air and think clearly and yep. be, you know, quick on your feet. Yeah. And then speak and the, English the proper way, which I broke down a few times on the post game show. <laughs> I, know, last I was just night. gonna say if people were watching, they're like, you guys were thinking clearly and were quick on your feet last night. Uh, Could have yeah. fooled me. Yeah, we had our moments. We uh, definitely did. No. It, it was a whole lot of fun. And uh, we'll do it again next week. Too. We will. We'll have the uh, the quick turnaround but uh, double duty. You're at the big desk for the, the pregame show. Uh, yep. And yep. then it's you and me on the post-game show once again, which is awesome. Are you doing any horse racing before? The there start was the day? No, no more horse racing. I did do that yesterday. Yes, yeah. you did. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that'll be uh, the Breeders' Cup coming up early November. So that's the next time that's I do that. That's the next that. time you're and doing so that. Don't have to. It's all football okay. all the time. Good. And some Premier League soccer. Uh, uh, but, damn. no, it was all football yesterday. And I caught up pretty quick in doing the show with you. We did it again. The NFL did it again. We had some crazy results. And it uh, – we're still to the point where, yeah, some teams are separating. Right. But you look like where we are now from where we were at the start of the year, I don't know that a whole lot has been learned at this point. That's a crazy thing about it. We had so many, I think, 18 2-2 two two teams coming into week five. Yeah. I don't know that anyone's really separated themselves too, too much. I think it started a little. I do think I, I hear what you're saying, you know, and, and it's an odd year where the Eagles are the only team that seem to be, you know, dominant or undefeated. Yeah, barely at, at this one point, now. Barely. Right. You're, you're right. And I think it still goes back to all the things we've said. And then, you know, the way games are managed, that makes things crazy. And, you know, listen, this is where the NFL is awesome, where we all love it, because you can be. I, I mean, our, let's just take the Minnesota game against the Bears, for yeah. instance. There's it's total domination. 
All right. It's, I believe, 20 to 3. I'm, I'll go, let me look just to get the, the specific here, but I just want to make the point here. Of, this is how crazy and close the league is. It's 21 to 3. The Bears go on a good drive before the half and get a touchdown. It's 21 10. Okay. Hey, oh, it's 21 10. Vikings are still in control, but there wasn't a lot of time left in the half. So Minnesota doesn't do anything before halftime. They have to kick it to the Bears to start the third quarter. Right. Bears put together a good drive, touchdown, and you're going, wait, they've been getting their ass whooped the whole day, and now it's 21-17, and we're sitting here like that, and then it becomes you know, 21-19. Sorry, it was 21-16, then 21-19. But it's just, you know, it, it's the league is so evenly packed together with yeah. its talent. And one mistake, one bad drive. Oh, wait, two bad drives? I don't care who you are. All of a sudden, usually that other team that was down, they're ultra-focused. Their backs are against the wall. You know, you let up, let off the gas pedal a little bit, and all of a sudden you're going, oh, my gosh, we were controlling a game that, you know, now we're in a dogfight, and yeah, we had down. a few of those yesterday. Yeah, Bears went up by yeah. a point with nine and a half minutes well, to go. And well, if you're a Vikings fan, though, you're, you're, you're saying right now, you're like, well, yeah, that's what we do. But. Well, well, but yeah, well, yeah, you're right. It is. It is what the Vikings do. But, but, but it, there's, this is like around the league a little bit. You can go to the Packers yeah. and go to the same thing in that conversation. Bucks. The Bucks, exactly right. We just talked about the Bears in that game. All right. Titans. You, you can get into the Titans, exactly, controlling early. You're going, they're going up and down the field. They look good. You know, the Eagles and the Cardinals, so what we were just talking about there. Chargers? No, well, Did eh, you say that? Maybe not, but you're no. to a degree. I mean, and then even last night with the Bengals-Ravens game. There it is, 10 nothing. The Ravens are driving. We're going, holy crap. Ravens are controlling the game. And all of a sudden, we're going, whoa, the Ravens are barely hanging on here for a few minutes. Yeah. And, and it's just so that's it's it's a crazy league, and it's I think because of the rules, because of the way the games are managed, you know, the quarterbacks – how explosive they are with the receivers, and where we can go down the field in three plays and you know a minute and eight seconds. Uh, I think that's what adds to the craziness a little bit too. Chargers that were sense. up. Chargers were up fourteen three. Yeah, they were up fourteen three. Yeah, good. You're right. Good. Push back on that it. That was another one. Fuck you, Chris. You're wrong. <laughs> uh, so our our promise to you, the homies, is that we'll go through every game, which we just did right yeah. there. We See went through later. a lot of them. <laughs> Peace out. We're tired. Man, I'm going to need to take a nap. We're out of here. We're going to go through every game, uh, the big storylines, and then we'll dig even deeper looking for treasure on Wednesday. But uh, we're going to dig pretty deep here today. And we'll start with our game on NBC. Finally, we had a game that went down to the wire. We had a good game last week. Patrick Mahomes did magic, and that's always good to have on your network. Right. But this is the first time that we had a game, two two and two teams going at it, went down to the wire. And it was kind of cool because Joe Burrow, Led his team back late yeah. in the game. Right. Touchdown. Went right. ahead. Right. And then Lamar Jackson led his team down the field. So it was both quarterbacks kind of doing their thing. Yeah. But at the end, let's start with this. Justin Tucker. Yeah. I mean, how good is he? This is 61 consecutive field goals made in the fourth quarter or overtime. No one has ever done that in the history of the National Football League. And you said it on our Peacock show. You go, I think he is the best kicker in NFL history. I, I've never seen anything like it where it's just. It's it seems to be automatic, you know, ninety nine percent of the time. I mean, it really is. I mean, we're, I think we're literally getting to that type of number. And then it just doesn't it doesn't seem to matter. Like the fifty five yarder seems as slam dunk as the twenty five yarder. It just doesn't matter. It's like right through the uprights, right down the middle. The shit never curves. It's just dead on. And yeah, I've never seen a like a foregone conclusion like like him. You know, I grew up in the era of Morton Anderson. And some of those kickers that were certainly money, and you were like, oh, man, 
man, oh, man, my dad and the Giants, they might lose here. It's Morton Anderson from 50. He's going to knock this in. Yeah. So, but this is, like, to another extent. And, and then it's also, like, 60 is almost automatic with him. 60 is the new 50. It is. I feel like in the NFL. I think yeah, I would agree You see agree that from that. a lot of kickers. I where We have the... The meter on Sunday Night Football would have been good from. Yeah. Seems and like, almost all of them are like would have been good from 60, 61, you're right. 62. You're right. Oh, the good kickers, you're right. You do see that. Anything they kick from like 47 on, you're like, well, good from 63. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he is special. He's a weapon for their football team. And we know he's a bright spot for their football team. And I'm a, I think there were some bright spots for them in general last night. I'm not sure it all carries over here. It might have been the matchup, right? It's a matchup league. Mm-hmm. But here's the one thing I like about the Ravens the, from last night. One, we saw a semblance of a running game, and you know what I mean. I'm not talking about Lamar scrambling around. We saw a real running game. Like, J.K. Dobbins ripped off a few runs. Even some of Lamar's best runs of the night were quarterback design runs, not scrambling. So that was encouraging. You know, I know Ronnie Stanley came back and looked good early, and then he, you know, came out, must have re-aggravated his injury or whatever. I think Harbaugh said that was part of the plan, maybe. It was just to play him a little and get him in and out and just, you know, count reps, I guess. I I, I wondered if that was the issue, too. All right, so either way, but that's on a positive, you know, a a positive, you know, uprise. And then, you know, to do it last night and win the game, too, without your best receiver, right? I think you look at that and the defense played good. I guess my point is it's the first game we didn't just have to go, can Lamar save us on every play, on every minute of the game and do everything for us all the time? It was actually a team win for the first time this year, I felt like, for the Ravens. Yeah. And that's positive. Now, I don't know if they can continue that. You know, I don't know. I think the offensive stuff is good. The defensive stuff, you know where I want to go. Yes. You know, I think they were fortunate they played one of the worst O-lines in football, and that front four could get there against that crew and they didn't have to blitz and play crazy defenses like we've seen them get burned in the last few weeks. But either way, they adjusted. We were watching the game going, hey, they're, I was showing you, right? Like, look, they're playing zone. It's too deep. They're not playing man-to-man. They're not doing crazy blitzes. And, uh, you know, it kept them in the game with the Bengals, or more than kept them in the game, kept them in control for, for a better part of the football yeah, game. Yeah, if you listened to this podcast last week, you know where Chris is going with this one because he's talked about the Bengals' offense being basic. Yeah. No movement. Right. And so if you're a defense – you can play it a little more simple, right? And if you're the Ravens, you said, I don't like the Ravens' front four. I don't think they can get to the quarterback. They need to do some more things. Well, against the Cincinnati Bengals, exactly, they can get to the quarterback with their front four. That, that, that was a huge part of the football game for me right there because you didn't never had to – they never had to go more than a handful of times the whole game and go, <gasps> okay, it's Jamar Chase on Marlon Humphrey, man-to-man. The safety's kind of on the other side of the field. Oh, gosh, it's a big play. And then T. Higgins got a little banged up, so they didn't have to deal with that. But still, I don't think that was the theme of the night where they had to worry about, oh, gosh, here's Marcus Peters. He's one-on-one with T. Higgins, right? They're going to make a big explosive play or get a big pass interference play that that happens and changes it. So I thought that was positive. But, yes, to that point, and I want people to continue to watch this with the, the Cincinnati Bengals, they're way too reliant on the football players. Their defense is awesome and game plan specific, and I respect that about them. Their offense needs to be more like that. I mean, you've heard me say it now, and I think you're starting to see it too. I mean, we watched last night. Uh, we talked to Rodney yeah. on the postgame show about lacks of formations and shifts, right? And he was like, that's what I want if I'm playing an offense like that because I don't have to think. We don't have to check. We can play fast, right? He said all those things. Yep. And, and then, you know, the other thing, and, and you again, you tell me if I'm wrong, okay? I'm not trying to sit here on my high horse, but – there's Jamar Chase. He, to me, is in the conversation for the best receiver in football. He runs three routes. All he runs is slants and goes and a shallow cross. That's all he does. They don't ever pick for him. 
He's never in a bunch and gets to a crazy release like the Justin Jeffersons or the Tyreek Hills of the world. And that, to me, is where they're leaving a lot of meat left on, on the bone there. And, and it's got to change. It's got to. Because they're not going to get to where they want to get to. They're going to beat a lot of the teams they should beat and all that kind of crap. But the marquee teams, they're not going to get it done just going, we broke the huddle, this is what we're lining up in, and you kind of know the five or six, eight plays we're going to go to when we're in this formation. And then and that's where they're dropping the ball, in my opinion. Still could have won the game, lost yes, by two, have. but right. it could have been a wider margin of victory because you noted on our Peacock show, Lamar Jackson, he had some guys wide, wide open. Right, right. He misfired. He misfired. You know, it, was, it wasn't it was the best game. throwing right. game. Right. Ravens, in a lot of ways, may, may have been lucky to, to win this game because they, they left some points on the field. They, they left some opportunities there to where we went, we went Oh, they're about to control the game. And then as soon as like we were kind of saying that, it was like, ah, they let him off the hook. Oh, he missed a post down the middle. Oh, he missed a wide open guy on fourth and one when he did the sprint right, you know, sprint right option pass. You know, then of course, up ten nothing, driving the ball in Justin Tucker land, where you go, Okay, they're gonna go up thirteen nothing at the very least here. And he has a wide open, deep out route, and he just missed the throw. You know, the ball, even when you watch it in slow motion, it kind of came out of his hand funny and fluttered. Mm. Interception. And the game was really never the same after that, right? It was 10 nothing. They went down and scored and made a 10-7. And we were kind of like, wow, they were controlling the game. And here we are. It's 10-10 at halftime. And we'll see what happens in the second half. Isaac is mad at the Bengals' offense. Yeah. He goes, Zach Taylor. Isaac is a Twitter Is that his follower. name? Isaac. Oh, okay, Isaac. Yeah, okay. Like, I don't, yeah. yeah. A Twitter follower of ours. Yeah, okay. Like, Who's this Isaac you're talking well, about? Well, I thought his whole thing was Isaac is mad at the offense, right? What do you mean? Oh. You know what I mean? Like, that was his whole Twitter handle. <laughs> Isaac is mad at the offense. <laughs> when you said it, you said it so. I was like, wow, he's <laughs> he went all in on this. <laughs> Isaac, yes. comma, he's yeah. mad at the offense, or she. Uh, Zach Taylor stinks at game management, runs a reverse on second goal, goes for a fourth down when the Bengals O-line stinks. It's more of a statement than a question. Yeah, well, I, I mean, again, I think there's some real things there that they need to, they need to readjust, uh, as you've heard me say. And, you know, listen, I, I'm not going to fault them for the reverse play. We saw that play work twice yesterday for other teams. It was the same thing. A double reverse the for Giants the Giants. Did. Maybe they right. one more. Right. Well, doesn't this, wasn't this double, too? Wasn't this a little bit? It was Philly-Philly. I thought I said that oh, yeah. to you. I kind of went that. You're that was Philly-Philly. Right. It was the same play. Yeah. And then not only the Giants yesterday, but there was another team that did it yesterday, too, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'll get to it at some point. Bengals tried the shovel pass, too, that the that was a, Chiefs have done. That, exactly right. Now, that one was like... You know, that, that looked like it was like, hey, it's cool and all that. But the Chiefs draw these things up to know, wait, we're going to get this look and we're good at this already because we do shovel passes even during when we're on first and 10 from the 50 yard line. And they know the looks and what they want to do. That to me looked more of like, this is a cool play. It's cool. I don't really care what they line up in. It's just cool and it'll work. And it's like, well, they lined up in a fucking thing where there were six guys in the middle of the field. It's, it's not, it's cool. But not against that defense. So, uh, again, yeah, I, I understand what he's saying. To me, that's not as concerning as the middle of the field stuff. Like you heard me complain about last week with the Dolphins game and all that. They let teams off the hook. It's, it's annoying. And I, I would like to see them expand that you know, play calling and, and formation use a little bit more. Final comment comes from Beth Thornycroft. She goes, stop. All caps. Stop calling the team the Bengals. They're not an 80s pop band. <laughs> okay. Smiley I'll do my face. best, Beth. I'll do my best, Beth. I, I'm not. I, uh, 
It's like hard and like real time. I'm emotional. I'm talking right now, no, so I'm not I, thinking about no, it. No, don't. It's your thing. Bengals. It's your thing. Bengals. 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 I mean, just uh, go Bengals. I, I right. like it. All right. Thanks. I Sorry. just think they should just go with Bengals. All right. Doesn't it kind of sound better? Sorry, Beth. Don't hold me to it. Don't be mad at me. Bang the drum for the Bengals. Bengals. The big play Bengals. <laughs> like it. <laughs> I, I, I say go with it. Beth, I'm sorry. He's going to keep doing it. Uh, the Eagles are just going to keep winning, I yeah. guess, is what they're going to do, even though it was close, mm-hmm. maybe closer than some people thought against the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray had a chance late. Matt Amendola just going from team to team, missing kicks. <laughs> well, I, losing, <laughs> losing games for teams. I feel bad for him. I know. Kinda. Poor guy. I like. I didn't even register he was there I didn't me either. Until the game was going on. And I was going, oh, damn, that's Matt Amendola. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. All right. The and Chiefs. then he lined it up at the end of the game, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, yeah. fucking Matt Amendola. Matt Prater was out, so it was Matt Amendola, and he missed the kick. It was just a 43-yarder at the at the end of the game, right after they showed all the warm-ups. Of him the, hitting it the same way. Yeah, missing them all. Right? Pushing it right, where it like, all went down the middle and then does this weird slice to the right, which yeah. is... If I remember correctly, how he missed them in, in Kansas City in the Indianapolis game when they lost that one. Maybe he's got another skill out there. I'm sure he's great at other Well, things. he might have to start practicing it soon. He keeps this up. <laughs> he's going to have to find that other skill. Uh, Eagles pull it out, though. Jalen Hurts, the seventh game for him with two or more rushing touchdowns, tied for the second most by a quarterback in the Super Bowl era. Cam Newton had had 10. Um, but, yeah, they did just enough. Or just enough. They, they weren't impressive. No. But I guess maybe, Chris, is... Do they have to win some games like this? And 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 do you learn more? Are you more impressed with them? You know, when they're not playing their best, still getting a win. In well, a game I, like this? I think there is something to say about that. I do. You know, I, I think you know. All in all, it's uh, it's a team that can beat you a lot of different ways for sure. I think that's the positive thing about them. And you know, I think that um, you know, defensively, I think they're kind of still trying to find their way a little bit. Uh, but but still, you know, another game that we can get into here and go, it was 14 nothing. They're kind of controlling the football game, right? Then finally Arizona makes a stop and gets them pinned back in their own area. And then, okay, you know, the Cardinals kind of put together an ugly drive, right? A little short run pass, short run here, boom, boom, boom. And then, hey, it's we got a freaky receiver in the middle of the field, Hollywood Brown, he catches the ball and – Shit, he makes a guy miss and makes a cut, and he's got three rockets up his ass, and all of a sudden you're going, oh, it's 14-7, right? And then the Eagles get the ball back and don't do anything, and I think the Cardinals don't do anything, and then the Eagles don't do anything, and then the Cardinals get it back, and they fake a punt, all right? This is, to me, one of the big points of the game that really got them back in it. They fake a punt on the fourth down, continues to drive, they end up getting a field goal in that drive. And then from that point on, it was kind of a, you know, a football game. But my thing with the, the Eagles, and you heard me say this last night, so this is no surprise. And I even went when I was eating breakfast just again because I'm like, wait, is my mind telling me this right? The Eagles are too pass happy in my opinion. And, and that was my issue last week when we broke down the Jaguars game, right? They were down 14 nothing early, and I was going, damn, all they did was they are playing pass defense, pass defense, pass defense. And then it was finally like the Eagles got down. They are like, all right, wait. They're, they're, they got the two safeties. They're like 20 yards down the field. Why aren't we running it? And they ran it. And they ran it, and they ran it, and they ran it. And all of a sudden, we were sitting there going, whoa, they're up by a touchdown on the Jaguars. And they couldn't stop it. Uh, to me, that's, that's where they drop the ball a little bit right now. We know the team is, is really damn good, right? Uh, the Cardinals are a pain in the ass, and especially when they played the way they did yesterday. Murray was patient. He was a lot of, again, 
they're the they're the most boring spread football team you've ever seen in your life. I mean, it's all it is is a bunch of four yard throws. But if they if he's patient and does that, that's what lends them to sixteen play ninety one yard field goal drive, right? And twelve play ninety yard ugly touchdown drive to make it seventeen all. You know, nothing's easy for them. But you know, Kyler kind of just played a patient and picked them apart, and they hung around in the football game. And yeah, I just think the Eagles dropped the ball a little bit there. And when they do that, that's why I think you didn't see like A.J. Brown's name called a whole lot yesterday because you know, they never forced the Cardinals into, well, you better stop the run and leave some guys one-on-one on the outside and make some big plays like that. And, and that's yeah. where I'd like to see the Eagles adjust a little bit. There were not a whole lot of explosive plays, period, in this game. No. A lot of short passes. There yep. were 13 screen attempts by Jalen Hurts in the game. He was 12 for 13 for 70 of his 239 yards. Dallas Goddard was his leading receiver. Um, but there's some concern about this Eagles team first half and then second half. In the first half, they've scored 106 points. Second half, they've only scored 29. Yeah, they seem to die out. Dan Sula says, what did the Cardinals do on D to slow the Eagles down? Do you think it's a real problem that the Eagles seem to have an issue in the second half? I do think there's something there. That's where I do think they have to play through the run a little bit more. You know, I, I think it'll help them out. Again, You know, I, I feel like they fall into the... We're going to tear you up with our weapons, and Jalen Hurts is going to run and scramble, and you know he'll make some big plays down the football field instead of just like, wait, the best thing about our football team is our O-line. It's physical. It's overwhelming. We can chew up the clock. We can keep your team off the field for a little bit. They don't seem to do that in the second half of football games right now. I'm not overly concerned, but it's one of those things, too, where it does seem like they kind of run out of tricks in the second half or, you know, there's, we had a few game plan things we exposed you with in the first half, and now you made adjustments in the second half, and we're just going back to the meat and potatoes of our offense. Uh, that's kind of the sense I get. But either way, I'm not concerned with it. And, you know, again, to that question, which is a good question, and it's certainly on my mind too, let, let's see when somebody really pushes them a little bit too. You know, a lot of these times, they're kind of in control of the game in the second half, and there is no need to push the envelope and do that. They've seemed to answer the bell as much as they got to in every game. It's kind of the way, like, oh, wait, it's back to a game? All right, we put a drive together, and now it's, we're in control again. You know, they've kind of, had, kind of had those answers all year long, and uh, I'm, I'm not worried about it, I guess is what I'm saying. And this week will be an interesting matchup with the Cowboys for sure because yeah. of that. Oh, my gosh. Sunday yeah. Night Football yeah. on NBC. That's oh, another yeah. good one for us. Uh, yeah, good starts for the Eagles in their games for the most part. We the saw screens, that. screens, you talk yes. about it. I know, it's just there was lack of uh, – you know, big play ability, I guess, is what we saw in the game. That, yeah. And to me, the, the way the big plays come is when they run the ball and Taysom, and then not Taysom Hill, excuse me, Jalen Hurts, yeah. you know, gets his handful of quarterback design runs. That's when they're the most dangerous. And that's when I thought they were amazing last week against Jacksonville and really rolling. I mean, Jacksonville didn't know what to do because they were getting dominated in the line of scrimmage. Arizona's having a different season than they had last year. Yeah. They did not lose their third game last year until week 14. Mm. So Cliff Kingsbury heard all the doubters, the naysayers. They were like, you can start, but you can't finish. He's like, I'll do the opposite. Uh, I'm going to not start, and we'll see how we finish. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They're 2-3. and They've been in games. I think they – 2-3 and I think is pretty good for them, honestly. Right. And they, they almost beat the last undefeated team in football. But they remain undefeated, and this NFC East looks really, really good because we get into our upset section. Pete has indicated Whoa, these, a new section. These are the upsets of the week. I don't know. I know according to Vegas, this was an upset. 
I don't consider this really an upset, though. I'm not that surprised. No. Cowboys beat the Rams 22 to 10 was not even really that close. I mean, for the, for the most part, you had a team that rushes the passer and is as dangerous there as maybe any team in football versus a Rams team that seemed that can't protect Matthew Stafford. And, and as Matthew Stafford, who seems not like the same Matthew Stafford from last year, what did you think of the Cowboys' dominance of the Rams in this game? Well, they, they fucking smothered them. I mean, like, you said it right. In, in full transparency, I picked the Cowboys to win 20-17. to 17. I mean, the, the Rams to win 20-17. to 17. I thought this was going to be the game where Aaron, you know, Cooper Rush holds the ball too long and gets strip sacked or throws an interception because the Rams are a little more complicated on defensive side of the ball. But I yeah. clearly stated on my on the Thursday podcast, I said, wait, 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 wait. The Cowboys are better than the Rams. There's no doubt about that. So to your point, that's why you're not surprised. You're, I mean, you're right. They are better. I, I just thought maybe in L.A., L.A.'s a little desperate. You know, I, I kind of just played that angle. But, like, the Rams had no fucking chance. The Rams have no chance right now. Matthew Stafford has no chance. Uh, there's, there's, there's nothing he can do. The fact that he was 28 of 42 for 308 and the week before against the 49ers and the fact that he was even keeping them in the game was a fucking miracle. That's where people got to realize. I mean, I, all, I don't know how many times yesterday I saw him make a throw or do something for a five-yard gain, and I went, oh, my gosh, he got killed, and he avoided one guy and just got a tight completion. I mean, he's getting killed on every play. They can't run the football. So the Cowboys' defense just absolutely overwhelmed them. They ran the ball a little bit. Their size, too much for the Rams, who are smaller on defense and rely on speed. And the Rams are not the same. Don't don't sit here and hope for this turnaround this year. Don't think like, they're going to get back in the Super Bowl mode. They're just working out some cobwebs here. It ain't going to happen. I'm just telling you this year. The Rams are the type of team that are going to miss the playoffs, or if they get in, it's going to be as like the seventh seed. There's not enough there on their football team to sit there and go, ooh, they're really great at that. Oh, they're great at that too. There's not. They can't run the ball. They can't protect the passer. They have lack of weapons that scare you on the offensive side of the ball right now. Allen Robinson's a, a basically a third receiver. It's not going to turn around either. So everybody just get off of it. It's not. It's not going to change. He might have a good statistical game here and there, but it's not going to be what you think Allen Robinson should be or should have been going into the year. And then defensively, they're not the same either. You know, we've talked about the role players they're missing there. And the Cowboys are a team that, you know, we undervalued, you and I and our roster thing and everything. Yeah. It's just they're more physically dominant and – their creativity on defense along with the physical dominance just adds to a, a formula of like, wow, they're fun to watch even when the game's ugly. And again, Cooper Rush didn't have to do very much, but so be it. That's the way they're playing football, and they will be better when Dak Prescott gets back 100%. Cooper Rush, 102 yards well, passing. Oh, my gosh. They undefeated. should $45 million a year they should pay him. They should literally ask Dak Prescott, rip up your contract and give the money to Cooper Rush. He's been really good. Don't get me wrong. But I, you know you know what I'm being sarcastic yeah, about. Yeah, hasn't made the mistake. Didn't, no interceptions in this game. Uh, Tony Pollard had one-third, basically, of the yeah. carries that Zeke had in this game. Mm -hmm. He outgained him. 
Yeah. Thanks in large part to that 57 yard touchdown run. Explosive player. You've said that for a couple of years now. Very. Maybe their most. Well, well maybe. I mean, CD Lamb. Yeah. He, and he's more explosive than CD. He's, yeah. He's, I think he's more, more than CD. I think he is. Whoa. Well, how you many think he's the most explosive player on their team? I think him and Michael Gallup are when Gallup's totally 100%. Hmm. CD's, a, to me, think about it. When do you see CD catch a slant and outrun people for 60 yards? That's not his game. Yeah. He's a. He's a great, hey, 25 yards over the middle, 15 yards over the middle, right? You know, 20-yard out route. That's, that's C.D. Lamb. He's not the guy that you go, oh, shit, he's going deep on us, right? That, at least in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, I think they need to get Tony Pollard the ball more in the run game. But th- this just speaks to it all. I mean, the Rams outgained the Cowboys by almost 100 yards total offense. You know, it just shows you that they their defense made plays. Yeah, they block sack, a punt, interception, right? Yeah. Block a punt that gave them a field goal, and they basically just go, "All right, we'll run the ball. We can get a few more points, okay." But our defense is just gonna, you know, smother them, and it doesn't matter. We don't have to have to take a chance or even put Cooper Rush in the situation to go, "Hey, you might have to fit a ball in here in a, in a big situation." And that's what's really impressive by them. And and like like we've been talking about, Dan Quinn. I got. I just Dan Quinn. I got to give him a ton of respect for for what he's done as a coach and and what he's doing on that side of the ball for the Cowboys. Yep. Micah Parsons, two sacks, a forced fumble. Osa Odigazua. Yeah. Wow. Odiza, is that how you say it? Odid. <laughs> Odid. I thought it was. I used to be able to say this because the Giants drafted. I thought it was his brother, but maybe I'm wrong. Owa Odigazua. 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 Okay, maybe you said that. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, close right, enough. Good. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> you say Odigazua. Yeah, right. I feel like I said that so great, and then you followed it up, and it just was totally <laughs> different. Yeah, I'm all on totally you. I'm different. fucking on you today, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Seven quarterback pressures, one sack, three hits, three hurries, uh, three hurries there. Uh, and Pete, no, I do not hear random dudes talking in my ear. So uh, Pete's worried about. We I don't either. Switch control rooms here. So, okay. Yep. Um, Pete, we're good. I hear you. Yeah. You're no random dude. No, you're no random dude. And Pete, Demolitis. unfortunately, you're very demolitis in our life. Uh, yeah, the Rams one touchdown in their last nine plus quarters. It's been a struggle for them. Struggle for Matthew Stafford. But the Cowboys, yeah, I, I think at this point, probably looking like a playoff team. Looks like we might have been wrong on that one. Right. No, no question. Did I pick the Rams? I thought I picked the Cowboys to go to the playoffs. I Maybe. Thought- I'm pretty sure. I did not. I picked him. I think as like a seven seed or a six Maybe seed. You did. Maybe because I got. I think I got in the conversation where we basically said I was like the NFC is like. I almost had to pick them by default. I didn't even know because I couldn't go with Minnesota. I'm pretty sure I picked the Cowboys. I got to mm. look at my old notebook. Okay. Um, we can but, always change it. I you did. did pick the Cowboys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You did pick the Cowboys. Uh, All right. You as didn't a, as a six seed. Okay. But. You also had the Rams in there, though. Uh, so. Yep, I know. Yeah. Well, listen, dicey. I expect the Rams to be in that seven seed conversation. But that, th- these teams, right? The 49ers, the Cowboys, the Bills with that defensive line, right? This is where it's a little scary for the Rams. Now, the Rams, they play the Panthers this week, which probably won't be that easy because that D line will be able to sm- smash their ass, too. All right. Mm-hmm. But they got the 49ers and the Bucks after that. Like the Rams, they, they blow this game here. They don't the the 49ers and the Buccaneers are like the worst things that they could possibly want to see coming yeah. in town. You know, cuz there there are games where those defensive lines could just overwhelm them and ruin their game to where it doesn't matter what game plan McVay comes up with. They're they're screwed. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected 
the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Man, look at this. Eagles undefeated. Cowboys really good. Four and one. And then you got the Giants. The G Man. Go to London. Woo! Drink their tea and crumpets. Yeah, right. Gave us some fucking superpower. Eat their cheese. Right. Booyah. Beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers 27-22 was the final score. Saquon Barkley continues to go off. I think we have the numbers, the comparison between last year and this year. He has an NFL high 676 scrimmage yards this season, over 100 versus the Packers. Uh, Last year, almost caught his rushing yards last year. Um, The the yards per carry is bumped up to 5.5 this year. Um, of course, yeah, he was hurt last year, and I feel bad. We're sitting next to Jason Garrett in that room watching all the games, and of course, he was the offensive coordinator last year yeah. for the Giants, and he's like, yep, a whole lot different team with Saquon Barkley out there and healthy. And I mean, is it any different? Is that it? I mean, is that... We know that Brian Dayball has been great, obviously, and taking chances seems like some energy there. Right. But without this man, none of this happens, correct? No way, no way. You're exactly right. There's no way. They don't beat Tennessee in week one without him. They don't win yesterday without him. You know, they, He's their one guy that can do above and beyond. And Daniel Jones. I'm going to throw him in there, too. You know, you say what you want. First off, that was a gutty effort, again, by Daniel Jones on a bad ankle. But they can. those are the only two guys on the offensive side of the ball that be like, oh, wait, nobody blocked or whatever, and I didn't have pass protection. I ran around the end for 30 yards. Saquon, yeah, screen pass. Whoa, run, broke, broke 24 fucking ankles. And then gets eight yards, and you go, whoa, that was like the most amazing eight-yard fucking run I've ever seen. I mean, that's where he is. He's special, but I, I like how you put that. I, no way. There is no way they are where they are without Saquon Barkley. He is showing, again, why he's one of the most special people in football with the ball in his hands. And it doesn't have to be just with the run game. And that's where you got to give Dayball credit, right? They find ways every game. We're going to run the ball. We know that. We're going to throw them the ball. A few screens or even the, the big pass play that set up the go-ahead go score touchdown, right, Ahmed? Running a shallow cross from basically the receiver position coming across the field. Yeah. Packers don't – they lose track of him. I don't know how that happens. And then he's off to the races for a, for a, you know, a 41-yard gain on a, a six-yard throw. So uh, that, that's where Dayball, Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, deserve a lot of credit. And like we've been saying – it's the same. Daniel Jones is efficient. Dayball is beaten in his brain of like, don't make turnovers. Hold the fucking ball in the pocket. If you feel like it's collapsing, you got great speed. Go run. Stop sitting there like the Statue of Liberty, right? And then the defense makes you earn it too. It's the same thing. They have a splash of creativity. They very rarely let up big plays. And they can stop the run or at least contain the run to where they don't have to like, whoa, we need more guys in the box to do that. So that's their biggest thing, and they're just playing. They're the ugliest four and one football team I've ever seen. They're literally a five. <laughs> yeah. You know my my new thing. They're the five legged monster. That's what they are. <laughs> it's not that ugly. It, it, it it's, it's pretty I, ugly. You but think? I, I do. I do. I do. But but it's, <laughs> they've all been one score games. Exactly. I mean, it's the Panthers. We barely beat them. It's you know this game. We're down. 
And I'm going, well, they're just going to beat us in submission. It won't happen. Yesterday was the best game of the year. I mean, that was exciting. That was. And to put the drive together at the end of the football game. And then, you know, the plays the defense makes. Aaron Rodgers got, what, two, three shots inside the 10-yard line? Yeah. Negative Ghost Rider. Not against the fucking G-Men. That's right. And... The G Men are smart because you know what they you knew what you know what they knew was coming? What? Quick pass. Aaron Rodgers, get your hands up, because that's all they do now is throw quick passes. And two tip passes on the last two plays of the game seal the deal for the G Men. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers threw the ball thirty nine times. Right. Two hundred and twenty two total yards. Yeah. Nothing down the field. Still. Still. This is I know I mean anybody that's been listening to our podcast knows this. And you know, I know people got back got at me on Twitter last week because they were like Nobody's made more explosive plays than the Packers. They have the most 20-plus-yard pass plays in the league and the most 10-plus run plays. Great. They rip off a 20-yard pass play, and then they go back to two yards, two yards, two yards, two yards, and it does nothing, and then they settle for a 49-yard field goal. Whoa. Their explosive plays, like, don't hold water. There's no merit to them. You know, there's no... There's a difference between, wait, we dink and dunk, we dink and dunk, we dink and dunk, we dink and dunk, and now everybody's at the line of scrimmage. Oh, and we threw a fade down the sideline for 30 yards. Whoop-de-fucking-do. Do you think that really puts pressure on a defense? No. You know who was second in explosive plays going into last week? Who? The Chicago fucking Bears. Right. So that doesn't mean jack diddly shit, all right? I know. I guess I'm, I'm sick of like everybody just looking at numbers and going, the numbers say it. They don't lie. No, numbers do lie. This is a more complicated formula than just that. You know, really good, explosive, aggressive offenses are always calling plays to push the envelope, mm-hmm. be aggressive. And the quarterback, I'm going to be aggressive. Okay, it's not there. They took it away. And then you throw it underneath. That's how you keep pressure on teams. The, the Packers, how many weeks in a row am I going to say this? You know, I mean, it, oh, we're in control of the game, but but now we're back into – we're going to run it, and we're going to dink and dunk it. And wait, they're back in the football game again? It, it's not the way to play football in 2022. It's too conservative. It's too measured. It's too – they got too good of a quarterback to be throwing it 39 fucking times for 222 yards. So that's my issue with them, and that's why they get in these type of games right here. And when they have gone down the field 20 times, 20 passes on deep passes this season for Aaron Rodgers, yeah. they've only completed four. There so you go. when they have tried to do it, it has not been successful. Well, and to, to that point, I'm great you brought that up, because look at the – we, we talked about this in the, on the postgame show a little bit. The, their answer to go down the field is like, all right, they're playing man-to-man. Let's just throw a go route. He'll hit the bullseye from 55 yards away again. Like it's the you know the Packers Patriots game. That was their answer too. Run straight, and the greatest thrower ever will just fucking drop it in your pocket. Like that's their answer, and that's just not good enough. It's not going to get it done against the good teams in football. It's not. There's got to be like, wait, we're designing plays so Rodgers can hit a 35 yard crosser or a 45 yard post route and all that. But there's not. It's just dink and dunk, dink and dunk. Hey, they're all over our dink and dunk. So let's just send the guy down the field straight line. Whoa, good thing we came up with that this week. We made Dubs, Dobbs run straight. I got paid $30 million as an offensive coach, and he ran straight. Whoa. Like, come up with something else. It drives me fucking crazy, as you could tell. Sean All asks you, why, oh, why did A.J. Dillon get fewer carries than Daniel Jones? That's, you, think, you think that's a problem? That's it. So I, you know, six carries for AJ Dillon, thirty-four they, yards. I, I don't know what it is either. I don't know if they felt like the Giants' front was big 
and they felt like I I would guess that was it. Air, Giants front's kind of big. They probably felt like Aaron Jones' speed element would be a little bit annoying and, and an element for them, and they wanted to keep him in the pass game. You know, but um, yeah, you know, I don't know. They kind of just lost their rhythm, rhythm as a football team. Yeah, and the Giants took away some of the dink and dunk when they got down. You know, seventeen to three and seventeen to ten. And then all of a sudden it was, wait, we got a lot of guys at the line of scrimmage. We're big there already. And now, okay, what are you going to have to do? You got to push the envelope, push the ball down the football field. And, you know, Rodgers doesn't want to do that. And the offense doesn't want to do that. And again, they're good, the Packers. And they're going to be in the thick of things. But I just, when I look at them right now, I go, there's no way you're going to win the Super Bowl continuing to play like this. There's no way. Giants are good. Their best start since they were 5 and 0 in 2009 and that was the year that they finished 8 and 8. So maybe they can <laughs> well, maybe they can replicate. That that, that it, listen, <laughs> it, it, I wouldn't be shocked if it went that way. Yeah. I really wouldn't be. Again, we we understand. I think this is the surprise of the league. This is the surprise of the league. You know, I know people go oh, New York football, Agreed. right? It's like, and I I would really go like, the Jets are probably more talented than the Giants. Ooh. They are. But but the way Dayball has managed games, their schedule has been a little more, you know, you know, favored, favorable to them. Uh, they're, they're just they're playing the right way, and that's what's awesome about football. You coach the right way, you got the right game plan on that week. You don't mess it up. That team messes it up. Yep, you could be the worst team, you know, eighty days in a row. But that one fucking day, things went your way, and and that's the Giants seem to have that magic right now. The Bet MGM Coach of the Year odds, Sirianni mm-hmm. is the favorite right now, plus one fifty. Dayball the second choice at plus six hundred. I, I I can understand that. I mean, really, if this continues, he he should be the in the leader house, really. No, but if if they do finish eight and eight, like you said, yeah, then it'll lose steam. Yes, no doubt, no uh, doubt. But you can't finish eight and eight anymore. No, eight, eight and nine. nine. Right, right. Oop, nine or and eight. One. Get a tie in there. Yeah. Uh, the other New York team that you say maybe is more talented. I, I do think there's probably more New talent. Jersey team. Sorry, yeah. New Jersey. No, team. New York team. The Jets beat the Dolphins forty to seventeen. Uh, unfortunate for the Dolphins, they lost Teddy Bridgewater early in this game. He got hit. Little instability, and the Dolphins of all teams are going to make sure that if there's any right. question about it, Teddy Bridgewater went into the concussion protocol, did not come back, so the rookie had to come in. What is it, Skyler Thompson? from Kansas State, yeah, took over. And, yep. and it went about as well as you would think, even with all the weapons. And then Tyreek was in a walking boot after the game. So th- there were some issues with the Miami Dolphins. But take nothing away from the Jets. They won the game. And G-Dub17 says to you, hey, Chris, this is the best I have felt as a Jets fan since I started watching you. Please make our segment a little longer on the pod today. And, oh, take a look at Elijah Vera Tucker and what he's been doing. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I hey, G-Dub, I gave Elijah Vera Tucker some love on the pregame show last night. I brought him up when we talk about the young studs of the New York Jets. And Elijah Vera Tucker's their best offensive lineman. He moves around. He can play guard or tackle at a pretty high level. To your point, G-Dub, I'm with you there. You know, And then, of course, we know Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Elijah Moore. I mean, there's a lot of things to be excited about if you're a New York Jets football fan. Michael Carter, the backup or starting running, I don't know which one starts or whatever. Who yeah. gives a shit? They're both good. You know, Sauce Gardner on that side of the ball. Got linebackers that fly around. You know, the Whitehead, I think he's a heat-seeking missile uh, at safety. Uh, we, we know the defensive line's got a little, you know, size and speed to go with it. I think the Jets are a lot, are very fun to watch. I do. And again, I first off, 
That was a bad call on the safety with Teddy Bridgewater. That should not have been a safety. It was not intentional grounding. That was so that was a bad call. They didn't deserve to be, you know, off to a two nothing lead. But, you know, having said that and talking about the Jets, and I know it was a third string quarterback, listen, that was going to be a dangerous game with Teddy Bridgewater. The Dolphins are super talented. They're super talented. I don't give a shit who's at quarterback. They make the game easy for the quarterback. They do. You know, again, that's what I was trying to explain to people a little bit here. It's Hey, he did a good job. He put some drives together, you know, but rarely did he have to really have to make a big throw or anything like that. You know, that's what they're awesome at. They can run the ball and then, whoa, Tyreek here, waddle over there, Tyreek here, waddle over there. We only threw the ball four or five yards down the field, but it stresses you out. And, you know, I think the encouraging thing was the Jets hung in there. They kind of controlled the game, went through some adversity, and all of a sudden you're going, "Uh uh-oh, wait, they're like, are they really going to, you know, fuck this up a little bit? With Skylar Thompson, a quarterback, but you know what was it? Late in the third, early fourth quarter, it was a close game. Still, they yeah. they, uh, they started but to take they, control of the game, yes. and 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 that changed things. I, I want to say what it was a missed field goal, maybe by the Dolphins, and it was the swing pass to Brees Hall, and the game was never really the same. They scored a touchdown. I'm I'm going to double check this just as I sit here because I'm I'm pretty sure I'm right, but I just want to make sure I'm, I'm I am right. It's funny right? you mentioned all these weapons too. It's like Brees Hall. Yes, ninety-seven yards right. rushing, hundred through the air, that long seventy-nine yarder. Um, and Michael Carter had a pretty good game too. I mean, they fed him a lot in the running game. Couple touchdowns near the goal line. Garrett Wilson, you mentioned Barrios is a weapon too, running the ball and catch it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's they're sneakily a dangerous offensive team. They are. They have some legitimate people to be scared of. And then when you have a quarterback who's got an arm like that and really makes you defend the whole field, the thing I love about you know, the Jets, too, like they throw the ball outside the numbers down the field. They, oh, Zach, 20-yard out route, it's, it's there. They're giving it to us. Boom, let's throw it. You know, so that that's that's what's cool. You're right. I think there's a lot to look forward, and I don't even think they're close to kind of hitting on all cylinders yet. That's where you could be excited about the New York Jets. Yeah. I mean, it's only the second game for Zach Wilson here. And, damn, it's the Dolphins' defense. Nobody was – the Dolphins' defense was pretty healthy yesterday. Yeah, they, were were they healthy? There's no Byron Jones. Yeah. You know, Xavier Howard was Xavier Howard was in for a while. Maybe he, uh, oh, maybe I'm wrong. He might, he might about double check that. I'm not sure for We're sure. Double checking, Pete's all, all over right. it. But, but either way, it was. I think he might have been out. 1917 missed field goal. All right, they go down seven play drive. He hit a deep out route to Corey Davis that kind of put them in good position. They score a touchdown with Michael Carter. Then defense makes a play. Right, Carl Lawson gets the strip sack, fumbled. So touchdown again. Now it's thirty-three seventeen. All right, Miami. Now they're they're a little bit desperate. They have fourth and one on their own thirty-four yard line. They go for it. Right down sixteen in the fourth quarter, and that's where um, you know the Jets really put it away. And and really, uh, that was the Braxton Berrios touchdown that that ended it. But I'm excited about what the Jets can bring to the table. And, and we didn't really talk about the defense. A couple sacks, forced fumbles, 16 quarterback hits. They had yep. Carl Lawson who had a strip sack. Yeah, seven quarterback hits. John Franklin Myers had five quarterback. He's a hits, good player. So. Yeah. No, I know. I think when you add him, you know, Shaq Lawson, Quinnen, Jonathan Franklin Myers, who's like a huge strong side defense end slash defensive tackle. The Jets have the ability to get big and play the run and do that, and they got some guys that can get after the passer for sure. So, um, yeah, big-time win for them, big time. I know it was a third-string quarterback, but either way, for a young team trying to build, you know, culture, chemistry, all of those type of things, here's the Jets, 3-2, and two, 
And that's what you need as a young team, a little confidence early on in the season. And now they can build on that and maybe start to believe in themselves that they can play with anybody. Sauce Gardner, you mentioned earlier there, yeah. too. So, uh, yeah, a little bit dinged up. Uh, Dallas. So Xavier was out. Was Xavier out? Yeah, I, okay. he was out, yeah. right? right. I, I think I'm, I'm checking it again. I here, can't remember so. a specific play. You're so, right. So, Dolphins had issues in yeah. this one. Dolphins had injury issues on the offensive side, defensive side, but still give the Jets credit. G-Dub 17. Hope that was good enough, right? I think we spent a lot of time. Probably the most time we've ever spent on the Jets yeah, right it, there. It, so, I think it's up there. There's it was no well-deserved, though. A well-deserved victory from the Texans against the Jaguars in a game that was probably not all that fun to watch, maybe for either fan bases. 13-6 to was the final score. Texans do get the win. But it was a game where you look at the stats for it. The Jaguars outgained them pretty significantly. I, yeah. There weren't a ton of turnovers. I know Zach had a bad interception. Trevor. Um, Don't blame it say? on Zach. Don't blame it on Zach. Sorry. Uh, Trevor had a bad interception uh, by the goal line yeah. there. That was not good. Ever since you praised him, he has taken two steps back. Man, I didn't it's touch his hands. And unfortunately, like Joe Burrow. Um, but Houston now, I mean, they have nine straight wins versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. They figured them out. What you, would you think of what do you think of this game? I can't even quantify this game all the way. I can't even quantify that. Nine straight wins against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, what the fuck? Like, how does that happen? There's been like twenty four different coaching staffs there, too. It's like how it's not like they like this coaching staff's like, hey, we figured something out about the Jaguars. Here's the special confidential folder <laughs> right right oh right. wait it's the it's it's yeah. the it's the idiot urban meyer jaguars and now it's the smart doug peterson jaguars they got a file of it i don't know yeah. it's just amazing it's Their just uniforms one of those things. make it impossible for them to stop this <laughs> i mean it, it is kind of like it is odd and uh, i i have a hard time figuring out what exactly happened here. Jacksonville was controlling this football game. I, when I was watching it, you know, to your point with the stats, and I know stats don't say everything, but, man, it just seemed like the Texans were hanging on and, okay, moving the ball between the 40s a little bit, right? And, like, okay, in that area. Where Jacksonville seemed to be moving the ball into dangerous territory, always kind of put something together every drive, right? But, I mean... Couple he, things. He missed some throws. O for three in the red zone. Yes. were the Jaguars. Right. O for one in goal to go situations. Okay. And they were O for three on fourth down. Okay. So there you go. Right. I know there was a few fourth downs, uh, you know, where they were kind of fringe field goal territory and all that, where they went for it and didn't get it. You know, so that, that's uh, that's something I need to go back and look at. But like, yeah, definitely one of those games where I came Weird. was watching, going, well, Jacksonville is clearly the better team. Like you could see that on the field, but. The Texans are another one of those teams that kind of know who they are. They manage the game the right way. And when they don't make mistakes, you know, they don't let up a lot of big plays and they just wait. Ooh, you made a mistake. Uh oh, now we're in a game. And, you know, the, the interception you spoke of with Trevor Lawrence to me was the play of the game. That was where, you know, again, and not that this was front and center of my attention yesterday, yeah. but as I'm sitting there watching other games and paying attention to Jacksonville, I'm going, all right, here goes Jacksonville. They're. They're finally going to take control and, and, and put you know the Texans in a bad spot. It was the opening drive of right. the second half. Right. They drive right down if right. they get that. Right. But Derek Stingley, the rookie, yep. right place, makes, makes the pick. He's a runs player, out, Runs out of the end zone, which he shouldn't have done. Yeah, yeah I know. One. I know. Well, I, I love <laughs> the bravado there. Yeah. That's what corners are supposed <laughs> to do. Taking it back. Yeah, he's going D on primetime. But Stingley's been really damn good, too. That's one guy that um, you know, it looks like I'm going to be wrong about that evaluation in the draft for sure. He's looks like the guy that was a freshman at LSU, really. 
Uh, I've been very impressed with him. But, yeah, that was a disappointing win or loss for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I do think they're a better football team than that. I think they showed their youth and, you know, inexperience a little bit as a football team overall yesterday. And one, I, I'm, I'm excited to kind of go back and watch just to get a little bit better feel of how things shook yeah. out that way. To show you how rare this was, they are just the eighth team in NFL history, the Jacksonville Jaguars, with over 400 yards of total offense, over 21st downs, and yet they just scored six points or fewer. So that happens very rarely in the NFL. Happened in this game against the Houston Texans. Give them credit. They scored just enough, thanks in large part to Damian Pierce and his aggressive running. Maybe my favorite run of the year, the one that got him down to the one-yard line. He punched it in, I think, a couple plays later. David Martinez says, damn okay to the Texans defense and Damian Pierce. They are more competitive than I thought they would have been. They got a lot of good, solid players. They list, they're one of those teams, I think, that we would classify under. They're missing sizzle. That's really what it, I mean. There's, yeah. there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of B-plus players on the roster. They don't have guys that can go like a Saquon above and beyond always. There's not enough of them on both sides of the ball. All right? But Damian Pierce is one of those guys for sure. I mean, he's, he's a bulldozer. That was the run of the day yesterday, oh right? Oh, my God. It could be the run of the year. It was, it was pretty damn special, to your point. In the game, he forced 13 missed tackles on rushes, most by any player in a game this season. And Pete reminds us of that soundbite of him during the draft. Remember that? They, they asked him, well, what? How would you describe your running style? Yeah, he he goes, violent. I don't run with good intentions. Yeah, he does not. I mean, that's <laughs> why he was fun to watch at Florida. People were ducking to get out of the way. Uh, because he brings it. He really does. He brings a physical nature to their football team. But, yeah, that was a good win for the Texans. Good for them. They get off the schneid, get their yep. first one of the year. Again, I don't think wins are going to be something that we consistently see from that football team for sure. And, you know, it's a thing I do. I want to go back and watch a little bit with Jacksonville and just Doug Peterson. And were they too much in going forward on fourth down? You know, they have had that that issue. He's had that issue in the past before. And uh, I do, I do just wonder that a little bit. There are no winless teams in the NFL anymore. No Houston more. Houston got the win, and that was an early damn okay. But now we'll get to the official damn okay. Damn, I'm okay. Damn, I'm okay. Yeah, no, I mean yes, I'm okay. The legal gambleizing. Oh baby, I am Chris Sims. I'm okay. Damn, okay. And we start with the Buffalo Bills beating the Pittsburgh Steelers 38-3. to Luke Z. Bytek says, damn okay, not to your guy, bo- boy blue, your boy blue. What are you doing? Could have been. How dare he? Gabe effing Davis, he says, 171 yards, two touchdowns on three catches. He was, uh, he's uh, out running corners and mossing safeties. Have a day. He did. He ripped that one away from Minka Fitzpatrick. Could have been an interception. Saved your boy Blue yeah. from an INT right there. Uh, someone had to put it out there for him. Well, I mean, he fucking threw the ball perfectly. <laughs> I, I mean, perfectly. But Gabe Davis, people yeah. thought, is, can he be another weapon for this team? He certainly can be. They need him to stay healthy. They need that from him. You know, it just it takes a little pressure off of him. I mean, him is in Josh Allen and Diggs. That's for sure. Uh, they need, you know, you've heard me say this really for two years. They need that one other guy that... You know, again, we're talking about a team that's Super Bowl caliber that can just make some plays, you know, above and beyond. It's, it's, it seems to be our phrase of the day here. But, but I mean, like, damn okay, Dave, Gabe Davis, but, but really damn okay fucking Josh Allen. I knew you had it. Well, I mean, holy shit. <laughs> I mean, holy crap. I mean, 20 completions 
for 424 yards? That's that's like you're playing Madden on the lowest level of the game. Like I'm going to put it on to where they're slow and it's like the what what do they used to call that? Like beginner? I think it's beginner on Madden when you can change the level of play against the computer. Maybe rookie, Pete's yeah. saying. It might be. Yeah. It was like he was playing against a rookie defense and, and Madden was like, oh, yeah, yeah, they don't adjust to the post down the middle ever, so we'll just keep hitting it. But, um, yeah, Gabe Davis, awesome. But 98-yard touchdown pass into the wind. I mean, the announcers are making a deal about the wind before the game starts and how going one way is going to be tough. Not for Josh Allen and Buffalo. He just throws it right through it. And then on that deep pass play that I know you and I talked about last night, the more amazing thing, the 98-yard touchdown, was they double-teamed him. And he ran. It's like they expected him to run like a 15- or 20-yard curl, something intermediate. And it was one of those where he went right between them, and they both kind of looked at each other and was like, wait, he's going by us. And that was that. And uh, I just thought it was, a, you know, their defense, the way the Bills played, not 100%. And then to just come out, and I, you know, I know Pittsburgh's not like the Pittsburgh defense we're accustomed to seeing, but they're still a pain in the ass and got playmakers, and to just absolutely shred them apart that way, yeah, man, that was that was pretty unbelievable. It really was. They're not a pain in the rear. The Pittsburgh Steelers on offense, no. Though. And not. at JZM the third says, "Would you like to apply for the offensive coordinator position for the Pittsburgh Steelers?" <laughs> no, Do you want I don't. that job. I don't want to deal with that right now. Sorry, I'm I'm too happy hanging out with my man here, Ahmed Farid, <laughs> doing podcasts. Jonathan Chewy also says, Chris, on paper, the Steelers have great talent on offense. They just don't seem to perform week to week. Is it the play calling, the players? Is it time <laughs> to blame Tomlin? This offense is sad to watch. Of course, first start for Kenny Pickett, rookie quarterback. Yeah. Threw the ball 52 times, right. over 300 yards. No touchdowns for him. But, yeah, what's what plagues the offense? Well, I think they got to... You know, they're going to have to figure out how they want to play. And and this is where, you know, I, I know I asked you last week or I brought this up on the podcast on Wednesday, right? I, I wondered if they would maybe, like, just go, hey, let's get in the shotgun and let Kenny Pickett throw it every play. A little bit like Pitt. And I'm not so sure after watching yesterday that that legitimately is not their best way to play. You know, there still seem to be banging their head against the wall. Of, We're going to be balanced and run the ball and do that kind of shit early in the football game. 11 carries for Najee Harris, 20 yards. Yeah, I mean, they're, just, they're not, it's not going to change. They're, they're not going to be able to do anything ever running the ball. Is that him? Bad offensive it's line? It's the bad run offensive blocking. line. That's yeah. where I want to get to our question here where I just want to go, listen, yeah, there's some talent there at the, the skill positions. It's just hard, you know, for the skill positions to really show themselves when you're so overmatched up front to that capacity. You know, I mean, again, I, the the Bills pushed a pocket. Kenny Pickett was, you know, people around him getting hit a lot early on in the football game. You know, I'm not, I'm just not so sure about their approach. They might need to realize what they are for this year, and then they're not Pittsburgh of the past, where they can go, we're going to run the ball, and our defense will keep us in it, and we'll just out hit you, and at some point you'll fumble because we'll out hit you, and then we'll win the game some ugly way. I, I almost feel like they got to go to. Spread it out. Let him dink and dunk, mm. dink and dunk. Make the right decisions. Put the ball on the money. Control the clock that way to a degree. Wide receiver screens, and you know the occasional. Okay, now they're playing us up in our face because we're throwing the ball short. 
I almost feel like they're going to have to do something like that because they're trying to run the ball early and create some balance and control the line of scrimmage. I feel like they fall into that trap too much. And then I go, we're in the second quarter and the offense hasn't gotten a rhythm yet because we're still worried about we're going to run the ball up the middle with Najee. Uh, So that would be one thing that jumps out to me about Pittsburgh. And the defense is not going to get much better. They're just... They're not incredibly talented on that side of the ball. Especially I mean, without no, T.J. Watt. Exactly right. Just three quarterback pressures. Uh, they are missing their defensive player of the year for sure. So, yeah, maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers forego the run as we move to another team who's leaning more into the run and have for quite a while. The San Francisco 49ers uh-huh. beat the Carolina Panthers 37-15. The damn okay goes to Jeff Wilson in this one fourth career game with Over 100 yards rushing, first time this season. But the big story from this game, breaking news. We have our first firing of the year. Can you do the breaking news? (laughs) Matt Rule has been fired as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. That seven-year deal he signed, something like 60-something million dollars. I think he coached 38 games. and Seven years, 63 million. He was making nine million a year. It was a shocking amount of money for a guy that had not coached in the NFL as a head coach there. So he'll he'll still make that money just to watch the Carolina Panthers now, although maybe he'll choose to watch another team uh, now. But uh, you're probably not shocked it happened. Probably not even shocked at the timing. What do you think of the, the news? No, I'm, I'm not totally shocked. It just it looks like they've gotten to a point where, yeah, there, there's there's no silver lining about them. I know there's not. And unfortunately, the biggest problem for Matt Rule is, has been the inability to find the right guy to run the offense. And I feel bad for Baker Mayfield. You heard me say that probably a few times yesterday because I just go, he's got no chance. You know, they're not very good schematically and they're not that great physically either in, in Carolina to where they can never get anything going that way. Um, so that's, that's you know, to me, that's really where Matt Rule got killed, is just the inability to have the right offensive mind and the inability to have, you know, maybe that franchise quarterback that they were so desperately looking for. Um, he'll land on his feet somewhere, though. I mean, he was a hell of a college coach. He really is. And I heard a lot of rumors last year, and, and, and you know, beyond rumors, I, I know that if, if Jim Harbaugh left Michigan, he was going to be one of the, the, the lead candidates to be the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. He'll, he'll end up back in college somewhere like that, but I'm not shocked by the firing. David Tepper seems like a no-nonsense guy. They have shown no signs of like, oh, wait, this, they've lost some heartbreakers. They might turn it around. There's been a lot of good. The ball just hasn't bounced their way. No, they've been dominated. They were lucky to be in that game yesterday. They really were. I mean... 49ers, you know, they block a field goal with San Francisco. You know, they had a big kick return to start the third quarter that led to a short field to make it 17-9. But at no point in the football game did you feel like they were in the same class as the 49ers. And the 49ers just absolutely wore them down from kind of that point on. Running the football, Jeff Wilson, he looked good. You know, Tevin Coleman looked good too, caught a big pass. Kittle healthy. You know, this is where the 49ers, to me, if Jimmy can play somewhat good and not just do dumb things that we've discussed before, you know, here we are in a game like this, they score 37 points and Debo Samuel really wasn't even a factor in the football game. Right. So when they get healthy, that's where they're going to be scary. And I still look at the 49ers and I know people might think I'm biased because it's my buddy, but I think there's no question in my mind that they are one of the best teams in football. And I think as we continue to go, they will continue to separate themselves and put themselves in that class. Been able to keep running without Trent Williams there, who got hurt. 
Victor J. Torres says, any thoughts on the new additions to the 49ers offensive line? Are they trending up? Seems like they're starting to get some uh, cracks of daylight in the run game. Yes. I, so I, I, you know, I, I know, hey, Trent's going to be back, and I'm not worried about that. But, like, the other thing, too, is, you know, I know there was a lot of people out there panicked about, you know, their guard situation in the preseason. Yeah. And I, and I know a few times I was like, relax. It's, it's preseason football. They're getting used to it. Once Shanahan specifically game plans for teams, too, he's going to help his guards out in things that, you know, hey, maybe they're not that good. I'm not going to ask my guy to make that block from that angle. That's too much to ask, right? You know, that doesn't go on in preseason. Sometimes they call plays and they're just like, well, yeah, it's a fucking tough job for the guard. He's just going to have to figure that one out. And then you get in a regular season game and Shanahan goes, well, damn, I can't ask him to block Derek Brown like that. I got to figure out another way to call another play or fix the, the run scheme there. So, no, the 49ers, they got it all going from that standpoint. And uh, I'd just be shocked if they didn't continue to get better and better. Odd stat of the week. The 49ers defense has eight pick sixes since 2019. That's tied for the most in the NFL. All of them yeah. have come against former number one overall picks. That's funny. How weird is that? Jared Goff. Right. Matt Stafford. Right. Jameis Winston. Right. Baker Mayfield. Mm. That is funny. Isn't it really crazy? is. Right. I don't think they should try to mess that up. Like well, They should know before the game, like, hey, is this guy a former number one pick? And if he's not, you run out at the one. Well, I would say there's one thing in common that came to my mind right there with all those, right? You said Goff, Baker, Stafford. Who was the other one? Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston. And Baker. And, and Yeah, that's the four. Just okay, those just four. those four. Well, other than Jameis, I would say the other three were, they, they had offensive lines that, you know, can overwhelm you a little bit. That, that the 49ers could overwhelm their yes. offensive lines. That's, that's to me is... The beauty of the 49ers, and I don't I know Nick Bosa came out of the game yesterday with a little bit of a groin pull, I, I think, or that, something yeah. like that, right? So that's a little concerning, but that's the beauty of the 49ers is they don't have to blitz to get pressure. And I don't believe Eric Armstead even played yesterday either, right? That's what's fucking scary about the 49ers. I mean, it really is. Trent Williams not playing, Eric Armstead's not playing, Nick Bosa. He came out somewhere in the middle of the football game. Yeah. Doesn't even matter. They're special that way. And, hey, between Hufunga on the defensive side of the ball at safety and then Charvarius Ward at corner. You know, that's out of the nut. They haven't had a corner like him the last few years. A guy with a little size, speed, can play the ball. You know, So between him and then the, you know, the nice pick six with Emmanuel Mosley, uh, that was a good day. The, the 49ers, it's, to me, the best defense in football. Uh, if you made me go, hey, Chris, you could take any defense you want. Who's it going to be? And I'm talking about players and scheme together. I'm yep. taking the 49ers. D'Amico mm. Ryans deserves to be in this next head coaching conversation uh, type of guy there. And, you know, offensively, I just think it's a matter of time before they really kind of start to go into another gear and, and kind of establish themselves as one of the better offenses in football. Yeah, too. and they just need to be good enough there. Uh, Charvarius Ward, you mentioned him. He had yeah. four pass breakups in the game. He has eight this season, second in the NFL behind Trayvon Diggs, who yeah. has nine right now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
So 49ers are rolling. The Chargers got another win. It was a little dicey late in the game. Damn okay going to Austin Eckler, who has shown up here in the season. The big storyline early on, all those people who took Austin Eckler high in their fantasy draft. They're like, he's not getting in the end zone. What's going on? Three touchdowns last week. He had uh, two this past, uh, just yesterday. So he's got five now in the last two weeks. It was Nick Chubb versus Austin Eckler, mano y mano. We love Nick Chubb on this uh, on this podcast. Yes, we do. I think we have a graphic on how they did head-to-head in this game. Eckler versus Chubb. It was a close game. Yeah. Uh, Chubb had 134 rushing yards. Eckler, I didn't realize he had that many, 173. Well, he broke a 71-yard run. So that'll help. Well, and, and you know, to your point, Eckler's a really good football player, but Nick Chubb is the marquee guy. Austin Eckler's the afterthought, right? And I don't mean that to be disrespectful. Well, he's not what you're – enemy number one you're worried about when you're playing the Chargers. That's true. Right? All right. That's all I'm saying. I know he's a really good player. I'm not trying to say that at all. Nick Chubb is like the guy that everybody's worried about when they play the Cleveland Browns. Eckler's going to put that on his Twitter, though. Yeah. Afterthought. <laughs> Afterthought by from Sims. Yeah. Fuck you, Sims. All right. But, but yeah. I, yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying. All right. So the Chargers had this one. They got out to that 14-3 to lead early. Browns uh, stayed in it. Uh, Jacoby Brissett made some plays through that pick late in the game. Um, where they were just down two, and they could have kicked a field goal. But then they got the ball back after the Chargers went for it on fourth and two in their own end. And as soon as that happened, probably everyone who has listened to this podcast, myself included, thought of you and what you were doing at that moment. Like, I wasn't with you when that happened. You weren't in there at that moment? Not yet. Not yet. No, I was still doing my horse racing thing. So when Brandon Staley, with what? what, how much time was left? A minute and... I'm going to say 30-something. I can look it up real quick and get to it here in a hurry. I, I were, I'll, I'll beat you to it. Uh, it was a minute and 14 left. A and minute and 14. To, and they're up to at their own 45. Their own 45. All week to come up with a got-to-have-it play, and we run the, you know, my favorite thing. Three steps and run in. That, that's what I came up with this week. We, we paid the offensive staff $30 million dollars. I came up with this guy run a slant route in the big situation against a really good corner. Gosh, I'm good. Woo. Yes. Pay me another $30 million owner. I designed the single slant on the backside for us to win the game. That's what I came up with. in the biggest moment of our year, like first off, it's I, I don't agree with the call. All right. I don't agree with it. Kick the fucking ball down in the end zone or down close to their goal line. Make them drive the football field. I, it, you know, this is one of those games where you come away, and I don't feel better about either team, I guess, to, to, to kind of tell you or, or, or say that. Sure. You know, first off, I'm disappointed in the Chargers. They're better than, than how they look. Their talent's better. You know, their defense should be more dominant. Right? There's no other way to say it. The fact that they, the, 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 the ball and people are running on them still here, it's a second year in a row that they cannot even begin to even fathom stopping a running offense, that stinks. That's concerning. You know, and then you know, offensively, hey, Eckler had a good day yesterday, but I like I don't look at it and go, oh, well, they're they're gonna be able to consistently run the ball. No, I almost I just go, well, it's Cleveland. They're they're a fucking disaster on defense too. So they ran the ball on them, but it doesn't make me feel better about the Chargers' run game going forward. Um, so I, I guess that's where I'm disappointed with the 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 Chargers altogether. Is you know, it's it's a lot on. Justin Herbert and them making it happen. And, you know, Cleveland, um, 
it was a good game. It certainly was. They need more pa- more plays from their pass game. Yeah. And the biggest moment, more than anything, was Jacoby Brissett throwing the interception late down in the end zone there. He makes a nice play, escapes, and really a horrible decision right there when they were down 30-28. to The field goal puts you ahead. You just can't make that throw or even think about that type of throw in that situation. You've got to protect the ball to to have the chance to to take the lead and 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 then let your defense hopefully close it out. Still had a chance to win it though because they only needed 10 yards and that's what they got to get a 54-yard attempt from Cade York, but he missed that field goal so the Chargers did hang on. And yeah, after the game Brandon Staley said he went for it because he had faith in his defense and getting a hold, but then both you no and sense. I were like, well, what, if you got faith in your defense, you you punt it and right. you figure, you know, they're not going to get in field goal range. Uh, there, they only needed ten yards to get into field goal range. They, they exactly, it, right. it made no sense. And then he actually and the he analy- tried. The analytics said to punt it too. Did they? Also, yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, that's num- the first time I've ever the, heard that. Number supported punting now. Holy, yeah. Whoa. He went anti analytics. Whoa. All right, and, and I know his 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 one point was like, well, we knew they had to throw it. Why did you know they had to throw it? Like. They could have ran the ball up the middle one time for 15 fucking yards and then spiked the ball. I mean, there wasn't – so some of the reasoning made no sense. It shows you he's got no confidence. I don't understand some of the game management there by either one of these coaches at times. Mm -hmm. That's why this game was probably – it was crazy. It really was. And, you know, yeah, the Browns to go up the way they were, you know, be up 14-0, right? And then that was when Eckler broke the 71-yard run. The Chargers had to settle for a field goal. Right? Then it's the Browns, I think, go three and out or five and out, and it's a big pass to Mike Williams, and all of a sudden, whoa, okay, it's 14 to 10. And then it's right down the field that the Browns go for it on a fourth and one down close you know, to scoring and get stopped, and the Chargers go on a 99-yard drive to score a touchdown in the, in the second quarter. And it's just, yeah, the game was all over the place, and... It's hard to get a feel for those two teams, I guess is what I'm trying to say at the end of the day. Yeah, it was a game that came down to the end. The upset almost happened. Browns almost got the win. They could not. Eckler, Chubb went off. Derrick Henry went off, speaking of great running backs against the I was Washington wrong there, Commanders. too. They punted the ball down into the one-yard line. My bad. Sorry. We'll clean, we'll edit one more out. thing. We'll edit that out. <laughs> Columbo returns. Uh, damn okay goes to Derrick Henry, goes over 100 yards once again, couple touchdowns. They gave him the ball 28 times. They pounded out a win, the Tennessee Titans, although Carson Wentz and the Commanders had a chance late in this one. couple uh, passes at the, at the goal line. I don't think you really loved the plays at the end of the game. Well, it was jamming it in an area of like, whoa, there's a lot of people in there, right? Yep. And it just seemed like, yeah, it was it was – Everybody over the middle, and there's 10 guys over the middle for the Tennessee Titans. And, yeah, they weren't easy throws or ever a clear passing lane for Carson Wentz to, you know, kind of put the ball in a spot where his guys could get it and nobody could get it. Here's the weird thing. This is a weird stat. Tennessee is the first team to not score a fourth quarter point through five games since the 2005 49ers. They were one and four. The Tennessee Titans are three and two. It, it, it's it, working for them. It, it, it is, uh, well, you know, a little bit like we talked about the Eagles a little bit. Like the Titans seem to be one of those teams that runs out of tricks in the second half too. Yeah, it is a few times this year where you go, hey, they're running the ball good in the first half, and whoa, they got a few good screen passes to Derrick Henry, and and they even had one to Hilliard for a touchdown, and the running back after faking a run to Derrick Henry, you know, and then oh, you go, ooh, the play action pass is working, ooh, they here they go, but. 
you know, the second half, it seems to like they kind of run into a buzzsaw. The run game slows down. Therefore, the play action pass slows down. And they just don't have a whole lot of answers. They don't after that. Uh, and, and, you know, really the, the play that they th- threw the, the big pass to, um, you know, Westbrook Akine, yep. the, the 61-yarder when they were down 17-14, that kind of saved the day. And then ultimately, I mean, really the story of the day was, I, I felt like once again was really more the Titans. I don't know what the numbers ended up showing, but it, it, again, I never felt like, the commanders had any chance of doing really much of anything other than Carson Wentz was going to have to make it happen with big throws. I mean, the commander significantly outgained the Titans in this game, 385 total yards for the commanders, 241 for the Titans. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's uh, interesting. It, they did it, make some big plays. Did the Washington commanders, De'Ami including Brown? a guy. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Jacob Willens says, I remember Chris Sims giving high praise to Deami Brown coming out of the draft. It took some time, but the breakout game is finally here. Kid is a stud. <laughs> we'll see if he can continue that. But that's kind of what I expected to see from the guy. I that's mean, what he did at North Carolina, it right? Is. With He's, Sam Howell, those deep, long, just exactly go right. Post route, go route. He could fly. Um, and you know, maybe this kind of gives him some confidence and, and get going. You know, from here, and Jahan Dotson was out. He had to take over that role. So we'll see where it goes, but. Yeah, you know, I think the encouraging thing for Washington was their D-line was really this, like, to me, after those first few drives, man, I, it felt like their D-line just whooped the shit out of the Tennessee Titans up front. Five sacks. Yeah, it, it is. Montez Sweat was everywhere. Tannenhill was getting hit, hit a whole lot. So, again, I feel good about the Titans. Not great, though. I don't. I don't know if they're going to be able to... You know, recap. They're not going to be able to recapture number one seed, number two seed in the AFC playing this way right now. I still think the same issues we're talking about are real. Like, defense is good, but I don't think it's great. And I think if you have a team that can protect the passer a little bit and all that, that you can carve up the Titans in the secondary. And then on the offensive side of the ball, it's just as we talked about, especially with no Traylon Burks. They're just. There's no other thing to worry about. It's Derrick Henry, and once that slows down, it seems to trickle effect where everything slows down, and I don't know if that's sustainable to be a dominant team in the AFC, at least not this year. I got a nickname for Carson Wentz. What? I just thought of it. What is it? Wentz coin. Wentz coin? Like Bitcoin? Like Bitcoin, but Wentz, Wentz coin? coin. Right. Like Highly high volatile. Low, yeah. Can shoot up. Yeah. Double your money. You also could go to zero. You could. Well, and, and, you know, again, I know a lot of people probably be like, oh, Carson Wentz, they didn't win yesterday and blah, blah, blah. But, like, come on. They, they don't have a lot there to, to help him. It's all about them throwing the ball and him making plays. He's, he's, to me, one of the least concerning things about their team, you know, through, through five games. You think that'll catch on? Wentz coin? Wentz coin? No, I don't. That you, you've had better. I'll You've to, had better. It doesn't rhyme. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm going to think of one that rhymes. Yeah, yeah. I'll go. I'll workshop yeah, that. Like again. his old one in like you know when he was in Philadelphia it was Wensylvania, right? You know, oh, that's pretty that, good. That was a good one. All right, right. well, I'll, I'll keep yeah. working on that right. one. Uh, so Deami Brown has shown up. Yep, that's good for you. That is good for me. Taysom Hill showed up again Ooh. for the New Orleans Saints in the highest scoring game of the week in the NFL. Damn. Okay, goes to Taysom Hill, one of three players. Since 1950, that's as far back as, as Pete goes. <laughs> We've he established that. Checking. 50 is over. One of three players since 1950 with three or more rushing touchdowns, 100 or more rushing yards, a pass TD in a single game. Ronnie Brown did it in 2008. LaDainian Tomlinson did it in 2005. Ooh. Wow. Um, but yeah, Taysom Hill basically took over this game. And they needed all of them, too, because the Seahawks and Geno Smith were... 
or slicing and dicing that Saints defense, but give credit to Taysom Hill. What would you make of this crazy well, game? Well, I mean, it was a crazy game. I, I think the first thing is I'm, I'm, I would have never expected Seattle to make that many big plays on New Orleans defense. Yeah. I was a little surprised by that. And to run the ball the way they did, too. You know, poor Rashad Penny. Yeah. Damn, I feel bad for him. Do we know how severe that is? I, I think he broke his fibula or tibula. Oh. Uh, it, it's one of the major ones there. He's done for the year. And that stinks because he was kind of emerging as one of the better running backs in football. Now, good thing they got Kenneth Walker, and he showed what he can do on that 69-yard touchdown run. Um, but, but I think the big thing, the big takeaway is that, and you heard me say this last night, it's the best game they've had on offense the whole year. I know the Seahawks' defense is not very good, but the, the bigger picture thing is that Taysom Hill and what he can do for the offense has got to be a part of their overall scheme on a week-to-week basis. They're not good enough right now. They don't have enough Sean Payton's ability to dissect defenses and call the right plays and all that to where they need another element to help them out. And, you know, you see once you get him going, you know, it kind of feeds itself. And then Alvin Kamara gets going and you're not then now not relying on Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton to have to win the football game. So I like that element. I mean, Mm. Taysom Hill is super talented and, and I, that was definitely one of the more creative games I've seen on the Saints uh, this year, for sure. It was the most creative game. That, that's cool that even without Sean Payton, they're still leaning into Taysom Hill. Yeah. Um, obviously, it can work. And we have some next-gen dots of his 60-yard game-winning touchdown. Kristen, do we have the, do we have the dots to show you? There it is. Uh, roll the tape. Roll. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, 27 in white here. So that's he Tariq Woolen. Flies. He reached a, a top speed of 22, 22.93 yeah. miles per hour in pursuit of Taysom Hill, the fastest speed by any runner since Raheem Mostert in week two of 2020. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Sh- Almost I'm not got him. Sh- I'm not sh- he did get him. He just didn't tackle him the right way. And he true. let him the momentum go. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you were in the rhythm, I mean, in the room when that went on. I mean, I was sitting I there was like, there. holy shit. Did you see Tariq Woolen? I mean, he walked him down from straight behind. You know, he ran a 4-2 at the combine. He's real that way. He is. But, yeah, it looked like he was flying about as fast as I've seen. And Raheem Mostert, week two, that was, what, 49ers versus uh, New York Jets? Oh, screen. Right? Was it a screen I think it was something? a toss play to start the Ooh. game where Shanahan exposed memory. Greg Williams' runs, run defense Jeez. a little bit. Chris um, going to the memory bank. Going to the memory. Weed does not wipe away all your memory. You uh, get, yes, just some of it. Fletcher Mackle, yeah, a sports anchor in New Orleans, yeah, asks a question to you. Yeah, we have a chance to make the news in New Orleans right here, Chris. What? He goes, in my opinion, the Saints need to lean in to Taysom as the starting quarterback. What are your thoughts? Ooh, I've I've always been a little bit in favor of that. I, I don't know. I, I'm going to say no. I just would like them to see used more in this kind of role right here. I do think Taysom Hill had the ability to play quarterback. You know, obviously there was something there Sean Payton didn't want to go with. You know, I, I think there's probably some, you know, consistency in his throwing that probably misses that Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton are better at. But if you add him with the Wildcat and line him up next to the quarterback every now and then, run the football, you know, with him at the quarterback position, um, I, I think it, you know, certainly can present some problems for uh other defenses that yeah. that's for sure. But, you know, I don't know. I think it's too late now. I'd want to just go, Hey, we, 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 you know, when we get Michael Thomas back, we want a quarterback that can you know, deliver the ball to Landry and Olave and Michael Thomas and all that. And then you can add that into the mix there. 
that's where I'd go, ooh, you got something there for sure. So, you know, this this is a game I want to go back and watch so I can digest it all. Let's it was it. cool by the Saints for sure. But, man, the, the, the Seahawks did some dumb shit too. Nope. I mean, the punter, remember that play? The rugby punt where he just decided, decided not he was going to run. And, you know, I'm going to run. I, I, I think I'm Saquon <laughs> Barkley. No, you're not. You're the punter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that set up a short touchdown. You know, I know DK Metcalf had the fumble when they were backed up at one point. You know, this game was was all over the place. It really was. Gino plays. Don't blame Gino though. Gino was amazing. Gino, more like GS. GS. I just thought of that. Yeah. Wow. You actually actually Pete thought of that, and then you said it on Football Night in America. I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. Well, it just he's he's playing really good football, and I hope everybody can finally see it and back off a little bit and go. You know, Gino does have talent. Maybe, you know, we shouldn't judge him off when he was just with the shitty Jets when he was in the second year of his career. Uh, so, uh, yeah, good for him. But, yeah, that was some sort of offensive explosion type of football game. Offensive explosion for the Minnesota Vikings early against the Chicago Bears, although the Bears came back and took the lead late in this game. The damn okay. We're going to give it to Kirk Cousins, though, because when it was at the end of the game, they needed some plays. He came through. He did complete his first 17 passes, so started out hot, too. That's a Vikings. 17 for 17. Vikings Justin Jefferson record. had like 100 yards in the first half, didn't he? I 138 mean, it, and 10 catches in the first half. I, and that's insane. It was it was unstoppable, really, for, for the majority of the first half to where you just went, wow, they're just going to march up and down the field on them. Holy cow. Anything else you want to say there? <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Uh, no. I mean, the Bears came back. I don't know exactly how they did that. Well, I, I can explain it a little bit. So, you know, I know it's 21 to 3, right? Pretty sure they had a good kick return, got him around midfield, and then he threw a, a, a deep pass down the left sideline to Darnell Mooney, and Mooney made an incredible catch, and that set them up to make it 21 to 10, and then... They got the ball to start the second, you know, the second half, third quarter, and they went on a good drive where Fields made some nice throws and they scored a touchdown. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there going, "Whoa, it's 21-16." Yeah. And then I believe Kirk Cousins threw an interception not far after that, and that took it to 21-19. Uh, I might be a drive off there, but either way, that's pretty much you know somewhere in that range. But that this goes back to our conversation we were having earlier. It's just like here's a team that was kind of controlling the football totally. game, but all of a sudden, wait, one team kind of puts a drive together. They go into halftime. They get the ball again. And all of a sudden, you look up and go, well, damn, they've scored, you know, 13 unanswered. And here we are in a football game, even though we've controlled it. And, uh, you know, credit to the Bears for hanging around. They seem to be good at this type of football, hanging around, but can't quite seem to, to pull it out when it's all said and done. Yeah, you can't point to a whole lot bad for the Vikings here. They were 12 of 15. They converted 80% of their third downs. They were perfect 4 for 4 in the red zone. Over 400 total yards. But yeah, they just couldn't put the Bears away. They made it close late. But the Vikings are 4 and 1 now, and I'm feeling pretty good about that pick. You are. You should team. be. They're, they're one of those teams, a little like the Giants, where I just go, I'm not sure how good they are yet. Yeah, they're they're kind of winning the games they should win. Uh, I think that's the say the, the the better way to put it. And I think there's probably there's more talent I think maybe on their team than the New York Giants. Um, but I, I am interested to see how long this is sustained, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's not like they're these huge confidence like where I look at them and go, ooh, right. they're really dominant in this area or that. You know, they've been fortunate or. Hey, they played the Saints. They beat your Lions. Your Lions did some dumb crap. The Bears, 
you know, we'll, I, I'll be interested to see through this next stretch of Dolphins, Cardinals. You know, they got Buffalo, the Cowboys, the Patriots coming up here in the next six weeks. And so that that's when I think we'll get a real good feel for how real Minnesota is. I mean, even more reason to be happy with being four and one if your talent's not quite there, but you've just eked out some victories early. Yeah, to put, set them some in cushion, the put some put some cushion for yourself. Some that's right. There. Yep. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Two more games. We're going to treat those newspaper style. Okay. It is time for Give Me the Headlines, presented by Hyundai. We'll start with the Buccaneers beating the Falcons. Another one of those games where it seemed like it was over, and then the Falcons make it a game late and really could have made it a game, but there was a penalty late in this game. What's your headline for this game? Oh, it's back. Nothing the passer. Don't touch Tom Brady. He's an artifact. Yeah. I, I mean, I could come up... What a fucking horrible call. Yeah. That would be the other headline. Like, referee, we didn't come here to see you dictate who wins. Headline part seven. You calling out Jerome Bowden? I, I am. It's two pitiful calls by him in the last two weeks. Uh-oh. It was a pitiful call in the Ravens-Buffalo game, and it was a pitiful call yesterday. So the Buccaneers, you know, again for the most part, controlled the football game. I think the interesting thing is is that it was the first game where I felt like they just came out and said, the, the hell with running the ball. We're not going to be balanced. I know. Throw what the ball happened here? So here's his pass attempts yeah. for Tom Brady. Yeah, let me hear 27, it. 27, and right. then it went up to 34. Then it went up to 42, and then it went to 52 last week against the Chiefs, and it was 52 this week again. What's it, happening? It, it, I, I, I'm guessing they've kind of just given up on that formula. That, that's really all I can really you know, come up with there. Uh, you know, I, I think they've just said let's put the ball in Tom's hands. We got a pretty good receiving crew. You know, he completes a lot of passes. It keeps the clock moving, anyways. And you know, Tom and the offense are in a rhythm that way. You know, it, it it's another game where it felt like one team was clearly better than the other team, and then the Bucks punt the ball. There's a good punt return by Atlanta. They have the ball on that side of the field with the Bucks down 21 nothing. They score a touchdown. It's 21-7. They get the ball back. They go on a long, ugly drive, and it's they get the two-point conversion, and now it's 21-15. You're going, holy shit. Like, the Bucks were controlling the game, and here we are. Like, if they don't drive down here and, and put the game away, Atlanta's going to have the ball, and Atlanta should have had the ball. With four and a half minutes left. Until nothing the passer struck. Illegal talking to the quarterback too mean. Mm -hmm. Illegal, you tackled the quarterback too hard. And again, the thing that bothers me is, you know, it's it's rarely called on the freaky quarterbacks. You know, I know that Josh Allen got it last week, and that was a horrible call too. But I just, I I don't understand what you're supposed to do. And I know me and Tony Dungy were both going crazy. Uh, What was Grady Jarrett supposed to do? Is he supposed to let Tom Brady go? Is that what they want? I'm tackling you, but... I'm in the act of tackling you too hard, so let me get let me let you go. Is that where we're at right now? I mean, is that really where they're at? And the NFL hasn't come out and said anything yet, which tells me that they know they're wrong. And you know that that's I just I 
I, I, I just, I hate it. Yeah. And Pete's saying this is Jerome Bogert's MO. Yeah, this is, he's way too protective of the quarterbacks. And um, yeah, that, that's just unfortunate. It really is. I would have loved to have seen that game get tight and seen if Atlanta could have done something and drove down and, and made that interesting. If Leonard Fournette is being taken out of the running game for the Bucks, he's he's being introduced into the passing game. Ten catches, led the team with 83 yards. It was a weird game for wide, or weird week for wide receivers because I think a lot of tight ends led their team in receiving yards. Andrews did for the Ravens and Joku, I think, for Cleveland. Goddard for Philly. Yeah. Here he had Fournette out of the... Out of the backfield, backfield, yeah. Strange week for for some wide receivers, but yeah, nothing the passer was. No, not a lot of big plays. Now, obviously, that's Atlanta did something there to to limit that aspect. And, you know, I think Atlanta, with a little bit, they have some size up front on the defensive line. I think they probably were like, you know what, we can hang in there in the run game with Fournette and company. Let's just not let, you know, big plays to Evans and Godwin consistently blow us up throughout the football game. And, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of the dink and dunk fest by Tampa Bay, but, um, yeah, Tampa Bay. Still not playing their best football. And uh, yeah. it's to the point where I, I guess a, it worries me a little bit. Like we're a few weeks ago, well, okay, they'll get it together. But here we are, it's three and two. None of the wins have looked that great. And, of course, you know they've had some losses where, hey, they got a little unlucky against the Packers, but were dominated by the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I'm on the fence where to start the year, I would have gone Tampa's the cream of the crop in the NFC. Right now, I'm going, eh, are they going to be the cream of the crop, or am I going to continue to be going, they're the cream of the crop. I think they're the cream of the crop for five more weeks here. That's, that's where I'm, I'm a little in between about them right now. They got the Steelers coming up this week. When? They got the Carolina Panthers after that. So when? maybe that'll get that them help, right. That maybe helps that'll them get out. them right. Yep. Uh, the Detroit Lions, they've got an explosive offense, or so I thought. They take on the Patriots, and they lose. They get shut out 29 nothing. Your headline for this game. Don't worry. Be zappy. Look at this shit. We're going to give all the credit to the quarterback. <laughs> all the credit you to the did. quarterback. You just gave you I did know, with the, I your know. headline. What I did. We saw a sign during the telecast, and I yeah. caught, we copied it for the headline segment here. Yeah, okay? Thank you, fan. Who thank made you, the fan sign. in New England that made that sign. That's exactly right. What in the world did Bill Belichick do here? He just totally shut out the top scoring offense in the NFL. Now, who knows that, you know, it was Seahawks last week and, Clearly, they gave up a ton of points to the Saints this week, too. So, well, but, numbers lie again. This is okay. another thing where, like, numbers don't tell the whole story. But they're but they should have scored more than zero. Yes, they should have. What they do? Well, I, I think the big thing more than anything is that this was a game, and you heard me say this last night. I mean, Dan Campbell bit bit his own kneecaps off in this one. I don't just too much going for it. Fourth down. You know, it's the New England Patriots. It's Bill Belichick. I don't know. They go for it on the first drive of the game on their own side of the field. And, hey, Billy's, I mean, uh, you know, Zappy, Bailey Zappy. Hey, you, you want some confidence? Here's a short field to just get things going. And, you know, you just one first down. And you guys can kick a field goal and you can be up three nothing. Right. And then it's six nothing. And now you're in field goal position. It's six fucking nothing against the Patriots and Bailey Zappy. And you go for it on fourth and nine. What? You're moving the ball. So there we we got there's you're moving the ball. There's not they're not shutting you out. Get some points. Get some confidence in the game. Pin Bailey Zappy back after the kick the you know the the uh, kickoff after you make the field goal. But instead we go for it on fourth and nine and Jared Goff, I don't know what he was doing. He gets strip sacked and 
Now they pick it up and it's thirteen nothing. Let alone in between there, you drove down when it was three nothing. Don't don't put this on. No, me. it's you. Don't put it's this your on fucking me. team. I'm the G men. You're the Lions. Okay. <laughs> they go, let alone it's three nothing. You drive down the field and uh, again, the offense is moving well. Jared Goff throws a horrible interception, right? So there, th- that to me was the story of the game. It was just that you gave them like false confidence and momentum early on in the football game by your coaching decision. And then the other part of that is your defense is not good, as you know. And they controlled the line of scrimmage running the ball. I mean, Ramondre Steven was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was run, run, run. Hey, here's a guy wide open for Bailey Zappi to hit. Run, run, run. Here's a guy wide open for Bailey Zappi to hit. And just like he did in the Green Bay game last week, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot. Hey, we got a one-on-one matchup, throw a go route. If not, we got to play here. Here's a guy wide open over the middle, and that's all you got to do. And it was... You know, great job by him. In the Bill Belichick era, so that's since the year 2000, New England is a perfect 5-0 and with quarterbacks drafted after the first round making their first career start. The rest of the NFL has a record of 30-80, and so very rare, bucking the trend. They leaned on the running game, as you mentioned. Ramondre Stevenson, 25 rush attempts, 161 yards. Now Damian Harris had to leave the game with an injury, so it was all on Stevenson. He looked, he looked awesome. Uh, but on the defensive side, too, Matt Judon, a couple sacks, four quarterback hits, and Jack Jones, an interception, two passes defensed. D. Cromwell says, Jack Jones, baller. How on earth do the Pats keep finding these elite DBs? Yeah, because, well, one, they got an eye for it. Two, they know how to coach them up. All right. Three, this is like J.C. Jackson part two, right? And Pete, you might have to look this up for me. I might get this wrong here. Because J.C. Jackson was at North Carolina and then transferred to Maryland. I believe I got that right. I'm just going off the top of my head here. But he was a top recruit, right, coming out of high school. He got in trouble at his first school and had a transfer. Jack Jones' story is very similar. Top recruit, went to USC. I don't know exactly what happened, but then he had a transfer to Arizona State. J.C. Jackson oh, was started Florida. Florida. Then went to a city college. Then went to a community college, then, then Maryland. Ooh. Right. So that that's what I'm saying is the Patriots are smart, and they go, wait, this guy was a five-star recruit, and he played early as a USC player, and they keep your eye on They keep their eye on you. He was a three-year starter. Right. Was Jack Jones right. at three different schools over a six-year college career. Whoa. So how old is he? So there were some issues there. Yeah. And, He's and, 24. But they kept their, their eye on him. There was a talent they liked, and that's where they're good. And then they, you know, everybody else is, oh, I don't know. I'm scared of this guy. I don't know. Is there a problem? Is there a problem? And they do their due diligence, and they go, yeah, there's a problem. We love him, and we're taking him in the fourth round. <laughs> hey, you guys <laughs> have now a problem. You're, now, now you have a problem. You have a problem. You know, and they got an eye for that. And then they know how to coach, you know, that way. And then – you know, again, it was a it's a game too where your offensive line couldn't dominate them. You know, they they got some big people there, and then it became like, okay, here comes the passing game, and um, you know, I don't know how healthy Amon Ross St. Brown was yeah, and all that, but not explosive. It just seemed like they pressured Goff, and they were kind of all over some of the schemes and patterns down the field, and they just slowly wore your football team down after they got a thirteen nothing lead. 
it was defense and run the ball and just will kick field goals and they kind of played that game and, and wore the Lions out. Yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown played just 21 snaps in the game. Yeah, it so didn't look like healthy. I didn't think he was, right? Swift was out. And it sucks that I have to take ownership of this, but them the breaks when you grow up in Michigan. That's right. So a Lions fan your whole life. And right. that was Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. We finish with the final game of the week, our Bet MGM parlay preview. Monday Night Football, AFC West, Raiders at Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by seven and a half over and under is 52. So it should be a high scoring game. Chris, who are you going with in this one? I'm taking the chiefs. Uh, of course, I, I picked the chiefs to win 35, 24. I, I will say this. There, here's some just elements that scare me. Josh McDaniels knows Steve Spagnuolo in that defense, right? He's got a history of whether it's the chiefs. And then, you know, of course he had to deal with them in the super bowl. So he's, he knows, you know, and, and so I, I do worry about, you know, him having a game plan to where maybe he slowly picks apart the Chiefs defense. But, I, you know, I think ultimately what worries me is I don't know if they'll be able to run the ball consistently. I don't know if they'll be able to pass, I mean, pass protect consistently against this Chiefs front, which I think is is damn good, right? But that's just the worry, right? I'm, I'm Obviously, I'm picking the Chiefs. And on the other side of the ball, it's kind of the same thing. Patrick Graham, New England guy, right? I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Kansas City early on like trying to find its way. Wait, how are they attacking us? What are they doing here? But ultimately, I just I don't think the Raiders, you've heard me say this enough times, don't have enough like top-end talent guys on the defensive side of the ball to where I think they're going to be able to stop Mahomes and everybody. And if right. you know Mahomes and Kansas City continue to be patient, short passing game, have enough actual plays for the short passing game, I find them to be almost they'll be unstoppable like Josh Allen and the Bills. There's nothing you're going to be able to do, and I'm I'm hoping to see more of that from the Chiefs tonight. Yeah, I really to, am. To win the game, you probably got to stop Travis Kelsey if you're the if you're the Raiders. Now, here's an interesting thing. Yeah, the over under the prop bets: Devontae Adams seventy five and a half is the over under. Yeah. Travis Kelsey seventy four and a half. Who do you think has more yards receiving in this game, Adams or Kelsey? Mm. I'm going to go Adams. I'm going to go Adams on this one. I, I think the element about, you know, Kansas City will double here and there, but they're not going to live on the double world all the time. And I do think there's an element of they might double Darren Waller in some situations and go, wait, we're, we're not going to let him run down the middle of the field on hmm. us. I got to think New England, Patrick Graham, Josh McDaniels, they're going to go into this and be like, it's... Anybody beat us but Kelsey. Let's see if Juju can beat us. Let's see if McCall Hardman can beat us. But we're gonna they're gonna double Kelsey, I would think. So then from that that like standpoint, I, I would think Adams Adams has more of the day this this night than Kelsey. And Kelsey's almost more of the the decoy attracting attention and opening up the field for everybody else. So maybe you might bet the under on seventy four and a half for Travis Kelsey. I, I might. Ooh. I would. I mean, that's always scary with that crew there. That's for sure because it only takes like two or three throws, and all of a sudden you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, <laughs> here they go. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, three throws. It's already over. Yeah. Uh, the action never stops at BetMGM. You can sign up now using the bonus code SIMS, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000, Chris. So say you bet $100 on the Raiders Ooh. to pull the pull off the upset. Okay. If you win, yeah. $275 you get. Okay. But if you lose, yeah. you still get $100 worth of free bets. Yes. 
You never lose gambling. That's what we'd like to say to you. No, our lawyers don't want us to say that. But yes, in this specific it's less promo, of a loss here. in this specific promo, yeah, you can't. Yeah, participation is optional. Pete is yelling in my ear. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter the bonus code SIMS to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. And woo, 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 woo. Chris will cover any losses that you incur in your gambling That's career. right. Put it on my tab. <laughs> All right, that's it. We did it. We did it. We fulfilled our promise to the homies. We did. We were probably too long as always, but that's what we do. I think that was about an hour and 40 minutes, but was I don't it? know. Once we get Probably going, it's, it's hard going. to stop yeah, us. It, it really does. is. You get rolling. All yeah. right. And we didn't hit the Thursday night game, so we got to spend 20 minutes to do that. Oh, Christine, yeah. That, that great game kidding. right there. I'm just Well, kidding. anybody that watched our stuff last week, they saw what we talked about. Russell Wilson is not throwing to the open guy. There's open guys, and he's not throwing it. I don't know what else to say. Check in on Wednesday. I'll have more to say about it, okay? <laughs> All right, Wednesday, you know it's treasure hunting time. It's yep. the What the Fuck Happened Wednesday podcast. We'll be back then. Enjoy the Monday night football game. Ahmed, rest up. We're going to need you for Wednesday. That's what we do. Yes. You the man, Ahmed. Thanks for driving it. the ship as we always. Again. All right, everybody, have a good few, de- few days. Enjoy Monday night football. We'll see you Wednesday. Clap it up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 